0: Welcome back to Lost in Thought,
1: a podcast where we talk about thoughtful things in the world and dive deep on certain societal topics that we find very important.
0: Hope you enjoy the episode.
1: So today we have one of our success series podcasts today. Uh, We have a special guest. This is someone that I got introduced to a little bit with one of our previous interviewees, uh, John McBroom. Um, he's pretty good friends with Justin Watkins, who we have here today. I was thinking before this uh, how I was going to introduce you because after I did some research, I was like, okay, so he's an outdoorsman, he's a poet, and he works for the state of Minnesota. So without further ado, Justin Watkins. Thanks Welcome. For Thanks for joining us today.
2: Yeah, man. Thanks. Thanks for having me. <laughs> no problem. Good intro. Good research. I tried. Um, I'm impressed by that. Did you just? How did you do that? You just have to like type it up. I like, type in <laughs> Justin <laughs> Watkins. <laughs> yeah. Watershed, Watershed, Yeah. yeah. Uh, yep. I type in That's Justin right.
1: Watkins on um, Google, and yeah. a bunch of information comes up on you. Just so <laughs> <laughs> you don't know that. Yeah. Um, so I guess to give the listeners a little bit of background, um, tell them a little bit about yourself, um, what you do, your day to day. Things like
2: that. Yeah. Well, you want to start like, uh, you know, like life history? Or you want to start like day to day, to day like you say. Let's like, do it right now, day to day. What right do you now. do? Yep. So, so yeah, I work just not that far from here, actually. We we have, a, I work for a state agency called the Pollution Control Agency. Okay. And my guess is before you look me up, you probably never heard of that. But Correct. you probably <laughs> have heard of the DNR. You've at least heard of the DNR, right? DNR. Yeah, Department of Natural Resources. Okay, yes. Yeah. If you say it so, like that. Yeah. yeah, Department of Natural Resources is the state agency that does kinda like the more kinda like fun recreational stuff they do, like, yeah. you know, fishing, hunting regulations and they stock the trout streams and they okay. they set the deer season and stuff like that. Um, so we we my family, you know, a lot of them still think that I work for the DNR, but I actually work for what we would call like a sister agency of the DNR, so Minnesota actually has five different agencies. You said you were from Iowa. Mm -hmm. Iowa has one DNR. And within that DNR is like all these little silos of things, but we have five agencies. So ours is, uh, I mean, I could talk a lot about our agency, but it's the work we do there is focused on water. It's focused on like understanding water pollution, water pollution problems, and basically thinking about how to make improvements. So i'm uh i was a, a project manager there for like twelve or thirteen years and then like about one year ago I became a supervisor of our of the unit there for our region so oh, nice. we've, got, we've got eight people nice. and we all work in the southeast part of the state best part of the state <laughs> so this is south of the metro and east of thirty five toward the river okay so it's not
0: sorry. yeah i was gonna say just, just for a little bit more context could you give an example of like a project
2: sure yeah, so, so here's a here's this uh, like a mock-up of a project, a s- kind of a simplification. So, so let's say you, you guys live on a lake, and year in year out, the lake is like too green with algae to support swimming. So mm. you're like, man, I never want to swim in that lake. It's it's trashed. Like, Some, I believe, something's I believe, up. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so so then you know we have people at our agency who would go out and kind of collect the data to understand like, okay, what is up with this lake exactly? Mm. And then our group would kind of try to take that further and say, okay, we know there's a problem. What are the sources of the problem? What are kind of like the landscape sources? Are there any like pipe or point sources that are causing a problem here? Like if somebody dumping in a big load of nutrients in this lake that's mm-hmm. making it green. And you do that
0: by observing it or just by testing by that? Testing.
2: Yeah, okay. by, by testing okay. and measuring and field work. Gotcha. Um, yeah, and then once we have that information, then try to basically come up with, okay, here's the plan to try to Make the lake better, reduce the amount of pollution that's coming into that lake, so then it won't be as green. Then you'd be able to swim in it. So that's just kind of a brief overview. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. I a little bit more context than just water pollution control and stuff.
2: Yeah.
1: I guess going a little bit backwards uh, now to like your childhood, is that is what you're doing now? Kind of what you dreamed of, you doing it right now as a as a kid? Did you dream of that?
2: yeah good question so i so first of all interestingly i mean where i where i grew up was not down here where i grew up pretty far north basically like at the latitude of duluth it's like 80 miles inland well latitude of it but like 80 miles inland and so the lakes up there are are really good they're very good so we we spent a lot of time fishing we spent a lot of time interacting with water resources but no, I mean. Actually, when I was in school, I always thought like, oh, I want to be an attorney, like McBroom, um, <laughs> because I love to, I like to construct arguments, and I like, I just really enjoyed that. But, um, so no, it wasn't my dream to, kind of come into this, career or or line of work. But on the other hand, you know, we we were always immersed in it, even if you know even if we didn't understand the link between the work and life at that time. Okay. So.
1: so I know right now uh, you have two different kind of hobbies, Career. hobby, careers, hobbies, I'd say. Um, whether we want to get into poetry now or um, just your outdoors fisherman life, I think I w- would like to lead into poetry a little bit. Um, first, how did you get into that? I know right now I think I read something how you have what is it 80 some poems uh out and they're pretty pretty popular only some of them are uh can you elaborate on that a little bit more
2: yeah sure well i mean it's i always always have written things down from like you know young age a lot of so like writing of stories and then like Weird things like keep keeping of records of things and I like to just record things. And, but in, you, know, in short, the reason why I, I kind of tried to latch onto poetry as a good medium for, for recording things that happened in my life or you know, is it's, it's a really nice, accessible, I think, medium that, that you can use to capture something very succinctly mm-hmm. and very well. You know, you guys sitting here at your couch, you might say like, oh, you know, oh, this guy wrote you know, like 400 pages on something. <laughs> but you're like, oh, man, this guy was out with his kid and some something really interesting happened to him. And it's like on one page. Yeah. And every word is really carefully thought through and constructed. And, you know, it's, it's so that's what I that's how I use poetry. You know, I write stuff every day. I write, you know, we write documents that are like two inches thick you know technical documents or technical writing Mm -hmm. i you know there is prose in those books too it's not just it's not just poetry it's it's kind of a mix of like short prose and poetry but um so i do i like poetry for that purpose and that one of the books is called the mark of permanence and so that's the way i see it is like I, i like to kind of give this this stamp or mark of permanence to things that have happened to me interacting with my friends or kind of out in the world um so they can be you know returned to later
1: so when did you when did you start or like what was your fo- first poem that you published
0: yeah I guess when, when did you go from just how like you said before like just recording things to actually turning it into you know, yeah. a polished product
2: yeah <clears throat> well in, you know, I think in twenty twelve thirteen, 13 I started kind of trying to assemble like a manuscript and then um, I submitted it to a Publisher and he, he that person really helped me out. Actually, a guy, at uh, the press is in Red Wing, it's called Red Dragonfly Press. And he sent it back to me and said, Can't publish this because you're just a guy kind of writing things down on paper. You have to go further than that and you have to build these into poems. It was really good advice. So then, mm-hmm. over the course of the next year, I, I worked harder on it and then got it back to him and then it, you know that, that book actually won his his presses uh, competition for uh, I think it was called the Emergence Chatbook Competition so then he, he published that so that, that right around that time I would say
0: and how do you think how what would your self-assessment be of your growth so far in that what eight, eight year period now
2: in poetry yeah well yeah I mean it's I think going from that book to the, that full length book that was published last year was really <clears throat> really significant really marked you know really important mark for me that I, I enjoyed because every page of that if you read it first of all the whole book is true pretty much you know it's like this fictionalized truth mm-hmm. so it's my notebooks which I usually carry on, I don't have one with me you know just kind of transforming to poetry so uh, yeah it's I think it was Significant growth, and really enjoyed it enjoyed working with that publisher also
1: so um, your poems are basically a lot about what you experience or what you see How did you get so um, in love i'd say in love with nature i guess or different experiences out, outdoors outdoors
2: yeah yeah good question and in, in that we could we could cover you know a lot of a lot of things on that but I guess I, I've always thought that you know one of the things that I always try to I don't think it's actually written in the book but one of the things I always try to remind my kids and remind myself is that you know the world world is not wallpaper it's like a little kind of saying that I have and it's it's to remind it's to remind myself and remind my kids and others that you know you the more you immerse yourself in in the world or in your words in nature um you know the more probably the better experience you're gonna have and the more fulfillment you're gonna take away and so by that i mean you know it's one thing to like go to a place and like kind of drive around Mm -hmm. and you you what would you remember after doing that 15 years later you'd look back and say i remember my dad used to take me places in this place you know lake michigan and we we would drive around and we would kind of sightsee or we would hike on these trails mm. but what would you remember you know if your dad took you to those places and you know you like backpacked in like you know 8 hours off the trail and you like slept in the dirt and you like you know caught a fish out of the stream and like bonked it in the head and gutted yeah. it and ate it and then the next morning you woke up you know you only, you slept like an hour and you woke up and slept an hour and you you'd have all the, so so that's I think that immersion piece is uh is really important and actually you know hunting and fishing that that kind of stuff is is truly a way to 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 complete that immersion and also it's a really good way to learn I think that's an overlooked thing there's to learn about a place, learn about a property, learn about a river you know you go to a person's fifty acres or something uh somebody could live on that fifty acres. You know, and you you can go there, and if you design hunts there year after year, you study, you learn like every path, everything. It's so. I think it's just fascinating. It's a good. It's a good way to kind of bind yourself to the world and to continuously learn. I
1: don't know, but so a lot of the things you're saying right now kind of sounds like you love to reflect on the things you kind of experience, you see. How important would you say it is to like? for people who may be listening that you just need to take a break sometimes and like jot things down that you see you experience and just keep reliving or kind of keep thinking about or, I don't know, um, analyzing your experiences basically.
2: Yeah, great. Great question. And that is a recommendation that I would have. I mean, it doesn't have to be about nature even. Yeah, just just, your life. Yeah, your life. So that's why I mentioned that notebook and you know, I really should have brought one because, you know, keep a notebook. And now, you know, I've tried to use my phone. You guys may use your phones for that purpose. Yeah, exactly. so just something happens and you you know, you like you make a note of it and then, then I will I will return to it and, and it's almost like a furthering of what you're saying is to try to take that memory or that experience that you, you might return to and try to shape it into something like a poem or some, you know, some people might shape it into like a painting. Exactly. Yeah. And, then, and then, then in that way you make it into something that is, is very much worthy of sharing with others. Mm-hmm. So, it's like, yeah.
0: Would you say like taking a moment and you make it more than a moment. It's like kind of, a, what we've kind of discussed this with the podcast, like taking a moment in time and trying to make it last longer somehow.
2: Yeah.
1: And that's what your poem's done because you can always go back and read that and you can always be in that moment again. Even if it's long lived down the road.
2: That is, that is exactly it. That was that's that's very astute observation. I mean that that's it in in a summary. That's why I titled it that way. And I mean, part of it is for it's not just for me is you know it's for my kids and for my family and you know my my siblings make appearances in there. My dad, you know, my grandfather, my kids, they're they're all in there. You know, I want them to be able to return to that stuff too.
1: I guess moving on to a, a little bit broader aspect of what this po- uh, success is about, we kind of get into success and what you, how you view it and what your definition of success is. You can you go into that a little bit more, I guess, of what you define success as, and then we can go a little bit talk about how would you define success in poetry?
2: Mm. Wow, yeah, that, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah,
1: hey, I'm just coming up with great questions yeah. today, I guess. Yeah, yeah.
2: Well, that's good stuff. So, yeah, this is where I mean I, I, I can talk for a long time. I mean, you guys can you can cut me off. You can I give I give presentations. I can talk for a long time. Actually, yeah. you know, it's it's more challenging to give a, pre, a twenty minute presentation than a sixty minute presentation. Really, I mean, I really believe that. <laughs> so, but for this for this, because it was such a good pointed question, I wrote down a couple notes about it. This question about you know what. You'd would, you'd would ask what does success mean to you? How do you define it? And I kind of took those to be the, the same yeah. question. So if you'll if you'll if you'll allow me this, I thought I had to have some different parts to it because I mean I, I did I sat and I struggled with this for a while to come up with one definition. <laughs> That's awesome. It's yeah. difficult. Yeah. So because because they're like these like uh, you know different facets of it or different almost like almost like scales or layers or something of it so if I if I would I would just I'll go through these I just have four of them they're probably it's probably on like a continuum they're probably more than four but so def you know how would I define success kind of in this like really it's a little bit corny too but really like kind of overall existential way Mm -hmm. I would say uh Have you guys heard this? Again, semi corny saying, but it's true too. uh, To love and be loved is the greatest joy on earth. Mm -hmm. You know that one. Yep. So I and I, I thought about it for a long time, and I would say, overall, that is kind of in this existential way. That's how I would define it. So I guess by that I mean to to you know to really have you know relationships with your family, with your friends, where you know. You you fully and successfully are, are able to to love them, and then you know, and then they love you back. Mm-hmm. So, but then then kind of a second layer I had was about uh, like a this parental perspective. So, how a parent <clears throat> or because um, you know we we are a species after all, you know even though where we. We're pretty civilized. We are still a species, so okay. so we we have progeny. We have, you know, we still have these innate duties mm-hmm. to to have a family and to keep them safe. Mm-hmm. And so, so I, I listed out, you know, success from a parental perspective, providing security, food, warmth uh, to your family, and then also giving giving your kids, you know, good experiences, being able
1: to provide for your kids, basically
2: yeah being able to provide the necessities but also beyond that things that are that are meaningful and fulfilling to your kids so that actually links back to you know a little bit about poetry which is kind of a some documentation of that stuff but then like an o- occupational success this this might be you know it seems like people talk about success somewhat more frequently in terms of like occupation or work stuff so mm-hmm. so right there is that too and I, I would describe that as, you know, occupational success, as improving the world somehow. You know, there are a lot of ways to improve the world, but you know, you, using your time in your profession, in your work, to, to improve the world for others. Mm-hmm. And so that could be like from a health perspective, quality of life, quality of experience, making art. And the last one is, um, so it's like they're stepping down overall parental occupation and then the last one i thought of was like this episodic you can experience these kind of episodic successes so like kind of very like confined almost like event based or so like something. come and go basically yeah right yep yeah. so like you you guys play soccer so mm-hmm. you know you you have big successes that you think about but then you have you know success at the, at the resolution of your soccer match? Yeah. How would you describe the success for you? And there's one way, It's one quote, and I can't remember it exactly, but it's it's when Gene Hackman tells the the Hickory Huskers something like, uh, you know, I don't care what the scoreboard says. If you give everything you've got out there in my book, you're winners. <laughs> so so that's a paraphrase. But yeah. mm-hmm. So that really is that episodic success, but I would take it a little, you know, the, the way I would describe that is when you're done, you're at ease because you know that you gave it everything. Yeah. So so that's kind of four different layers of it. But
1: and I feel like those were all, <clears throat> all really good points, excuse me. And I feel like everyone, I guess from our perspective, from doing a few of these, everyone seems to have a little bit of different layers of what success is. Mm-hmm. And I feel like from your four little notions there everyone can pick and choose from different parts of those and define what truly their success is
0: because it's a word that we all communicate with it's not objective at all it's like so subjective yeah you don't
1: know exactly what
0: there's like some layers that seem to come across like for you for example the first one relationships that is like a core thing that everybody that we've interviewed so far has said yeah Hmm. interesting interesting like the different twists and perspectives people end up taking on it
2: it's a good question that you guys that you're asking I, think,
1: yeah. I guess yeah. you can talk about wh- kind of what the broader uh, point of asking this question is it's like we yeah. want to just see I don't know you're a better I, I think it, comes, it
0: comes from us just having discussed this like in college for example yeah. just like taking time and discussing it on our own and trying to come up with our own definition and just realizing that I think it's just so abstract that it like changes over time and that hopefully through interviewing people that I, I don't know have more experience than us, then we can kind of like do some sort of pattern matching or something like that over time to see if we can form some sort of more usable definition. I don't
1: know it's time. always funny because we always talk about success and like on this podcast whenever we are doing it one v one we're always like, okay, there's kids doing things that are just mind blowing mm-hmm. and like we're here, but are we not successful for where we're at? because it's all a broader like perspective basis basis. and I just think that's really important that we find out like just what people define success as you don't have to be rich you don't have to be poor or you don't have to go through there's different like even if you're poor you can have different ideas of success rich, poor all these it's so interesting
0: that you can communicate like rich, poor like all these descriptors but they're still so subjective to the person that's saying it versus the person that's it, yeah, for example, you
1: know. so I guess, like, um, going forward, um, in poetry, how would you define success? Is that by the number of people who read your poems, or how would you define your success in poetry? Because you obviously have success in poetry. I looked you up, and you were—that's all I could see. Poem, poetry, but poet. How do you know that? That's how Justin defines success. It's true. That might mm-hmm. not be the way you define success. I don't know if you see yeah, the, that. Yeah, just too much
2: fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'll let you speak. Well, that's, man, that is, that's a good, that's a good one. I mean, you know, some of the, some of the, well, at least one of the really good poets, or I think many of them would say, you know, like the big time poets out there would say, you know, you know, get ready to not make any money. <laughs> so, I mean, you're not, you know, you know, you're not gonna measure it that way, okay. um, and you know, and publishers will tell you, you know, poetry doesn't sell, and so I mean, I think it. It's not that. It's it's probably. It's probably more of you know if you, if you feel you have really. Because it's such an interesting study. Each one is you know you study each each line each stanza even each word mm-hmm. so closely it's very, you know, thoughtful process, I'd say you're you're successful if you construct them to a really satisfying, you know, personal, kind of personal, personally satisfying kind of level, and get them just how you want them, that's, because I'm trying to think of, like, actual, like, feeling of satisfaction, not, not like a metric, but, like, so if I'm sitting there writing this stuff out, that is when I get that feeling. And it I, I, I goes from notes to draft to, you know, revision, yeah. revision. And then kind of the words kind of get, get just right and you change them. And then you go back and you read it and you're like, oh, man, that's just how I wanted it. Mm-hmm. That's just how I wanted it to remember it. Or it's just how I wanted that to sound or to, you know, to look. Mm-hmm. So that's what I would say. I mean, yeah i think that that's probably the best so
1: i guess we always talk about sorry i i'm asking all the questions but we kind of talk about how uh success from when you're a kid may change to when you're adult i guess how has success changed in your mind since you've been growing up
2: yeah yeah that's a good one and i i tried to think back on that and I, I suspect that even though I don't have perfect clarity on, you know, my memory of kind of what I was thinking on that as a kid, I think it probably the, you know, the measures and the, the metrics are different. I think probably as a kid, I was thinking, you know, I'm going to, you know, grow up and, you know, make, make money and stuff yeah. and, you know, get this, you know, get this house or get that. So I think, uh, which I feel like is a lot of people's,
1: mm-hmm. as especially as a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, s-
2: Yeah. So yeah, I think your metrics and your the way you measure this stuff changes from. From yeah, like material possession, kind of. You know, simpler metrics like that to more. Probably like more more complex or deeper mm-hmm. deeper measures like like Yeah,
0: I think that's something that we also discuss is. It's like this weird i don't want to call it an issue but there's it seems to be some weird like societal pressure where it's not, not pressure but where there are set metrics for success but hitting those metrics for example if you think about money or getting a house or something like that they seem to be so much easier i guess i would say to define and therefore probably easier to achieve than anything that's more abstract or harder to define relationships like the feeling of accomplishment, for example, um, I think that's also something that's kind of recurring through these interviews. Is like if you can step back and like create your own definition of success, um, it'll just make you happier in the long run. Yes.
2: Yeah, and I was actually thinking of that as you as you, you guys prompted me to look through these. It's like yeah, this is a this is a useful exercise. This is, you know, people to reflect on this stuff. Um, I think, you know, you guys will get it. This is a good conversation, but I think, you know, people who come into this will will leave with some some lasting value. Mm-hmm.
1: I guess it's really important that uh, when we talk about success, we also got to talk about failure because uh, with success comes failure at some points. Uh, I guess, how do you personally view failure and how do you overcome it, I guess? Yeah. Or have you ever, if you haven't failed in your life, we don't know who you i mean justin you might never fail who knows
2: well you usually when i go on the on the basketball court with my kids i start shooting and i say you know i've never actually missed a shot <laughs> no it's yeah i mean one of my favorite <clears throat> one of my favorite uh, singers he's also a songwriter he essentially is a poet he's from iowa by the way greg brown um you know who that is mike i don't know <laughs> yeah he's 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 the best but he's not he's not like a big real real popular guy but one of his songs he, one of his lyrics is something to the effect of like i've lost track of my mistakes like birds they fly around and cloud half my skies or something like that and I, I think that's like yeah i mean i've i've made so many you know so many mistakes and so many failures that you know i I think you really, what you, you know, you, you come to look at them as just, not like a binary thing of like, you know, this is this is a success, this is a failure, you know, it's just more like, we are we're, we're kind of going through this process here, and you know things are happening, and we do something, and we get one outcome, it's not ideal, yeah. and so what what is actually a really good link to fishing here <clears throat> when people. So we we have some pretty good fishing adventures, you know. We 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 put our noses to the ground here pretty hard, and we we get boots on the ground, and we we go pretty hard, and we 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 find pretty good success in some of these some of these angling adventures. And and people often ask us like, hey, what, where, how do we get you know how do we get those fish? And mm-hmm. you know, it's 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 study and. You know, so to your point, I want to get back to this is failure, you know, f- lots of failure. But you know, you, you have to fail, you have to adapt, you have to persist. That's, that's what we, that's what I try to keep in my head just, you know, you, you will fail at stuff, you, well, or just to say you won't meet your expectation or you won't meet your hope or you won't, you know, get everything that you were hoping to get and um so how do you adapt then? How do you That's one of the coolest things about hunting and fishing actually is. Mm-hmm. You have to you have to use trial and error. You have to study your failures. You have to adapt your approach and you have to keep at it. Mm-hmm. So, that's a good that's a good analog for for most anything, I would say.
0: Would you say that would you say that you can define a success that would be a success without failure? Does that make sense? I need you to elaborate. Would you say that you can be successful without failure? Without first experiencing failure?
1: Very good question.
2: No, I, nah, I don't think so. Because the way, again, I, would I wouldn't look at it as binary. I would look at it as, yeah, like a continuum. Mm -hmm. and so by definition one by definition if you shorten the continuum one the end that you just shorten to kind of takes the place of the previous end of Mm -hmm. that of that so that continuum so I think no I would say no I think yeah I think you gotta just work your way through both
1: Mm -hmm. so um I don't wanna Uh, move on from the discussion though Um, so talking about your hobbies I know you were talking about fishing and hunting I was reading an article when I was doing research on you obviously it said when it comes to fishing Minnesotan Justin Watkins is a romantic that's appeared in the end of statement
2: I'm trying to remember when that one was Uh, it might have been the Star Tribune or something like that
1: Um, can you just go in depth on your fishing and hunting and why you fell so in love with it I guess and what they mean by your romantic when it comes to that
2: sure yeah well yeah I mean it it has to do with uh well first of all it goes back to you know the basic roots of like getting food I mean that's you know people say you don't have to get food by fishing and hunting anymore but I would question that, and I would push back on it, <clears throat> and say, it's true that you you can eat without doing that, but I don't think it follows that you 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 should abandon it. I think, you know, so that that part is important to me, and I'd like to keep that going. My dad always did that, you know. My brothers do that. Um, I like to do that as much as possible. I like to see my kids doing that. They' were just done, like I said, they left school today and went down to foster errands and you know they caught some fish on their own without <clears throat> without me mm-hmm. and um so and so yeah the other part of it is that is so that's when I think back about memories that I have with my my family, most of them have to do with that yeah, so it's tradition is not is is kind of overused but it really is just kind of something that is just normal for for me to do um but yeah and then and then there's a very I've talked about this a lot already so I won't go on about it but you know it is it is the way that I like to study and I like to experience landscapes different places you know go to a different state how do you engage it how do you kind of fully fully get into it yeah, I mean probably the romantic part there, the references. I don't remember what what writer that was, but you know it's it's yeah it's probably because I you know might look at it a little more you know a, a little deeper than than most instead of just here if I here this is probably what he's talking about. So so you look in the book. Some some people might say I was out hunting. I you know I got a giant buck. Here's the picture. You know. Yeah. It was great, you know, I shot him and he, you know, but, you know, but, so if you read in that book, there are some prose chapters in there about, you know, a little bit more on the episode of like actually shooting, you know, shooting a deer. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, people think that that's like a simple thing and, you know, they, they just, you know, they just like put the picture up on the wall <laughs> and stuff, but no, it, it's not, it's not, it's not a simple thing. It's not easy and it's not thoughtless it takes a lot of uh it has different stages it has a planning stage it has an execution stage it has a stage where you actually have to make a decision you have to decide you know i'm done thinking now i have to act and it has the stage where you have to you know see another large mammal you know die then you have to take care of you know the processing you have to Physically, with your body, drag a large mammal, sometimes, you know, a long ways. Mm-hmm. And take, you know, it's, so it's so there's a lot to it. So that's... Um, and the same thing goes, you know, goes for fishing. Uh, it's... That's probably what he was referring to there, but I should go back and review that <laughs> one, too. Awesome. So
0: next, usually, we'll talk about happiness. I guess you've already talked about your hobbies. Did you say that would those are your biggest sources of happiness or
2: Yeah, I would say, I mean yeah, things, you know, make me real situations or you know times when I'm really happy would be yes, if I'm if I'm outside. We talk about this actually when we're sometimes on some of these adventures. So it's like this this beautiful singular purpose if you if I could call it that. Mm-hmm. It just it's so like I I get giddy just thinking about like just walking in water all day and the only purpose is to try to find fish (laughs) and you just you're super light you're not encumbered by anything Mm -hmm. you have like one rod maybe like a little tiny backpack you don't eat or drink any food or water all day Mm -hmm. you just walk the whole time and look and search so yes, that makes me really happy because that, that singular purpose that puts me in a re- relaxed mode. other things you know, when I you know smile the most, when I you know see my kids doing stuff like this, when I see them participate in these things. Um, also, I really like I'm really happy when I'm tra- traveling, like when I'm kind of seeing places, doesn't have to always be hunting or fishing, but just study places. So if I go somewhere with my wife and you know, we, we're in relaxed mode where we just are you know, just hanging out, we might just mm-hmm. have coffee somewhere. Uh, you know, we might just have a good meal, take a walk. Um, that makes me really happy too. A lot of stuff at work makes me happy too. Um, but probably not the depth of this, this personal stuff, but there's, there's a lot of good fulfillment and, and, and happiness at work too when you see that you know, you're doing good work.
1: It seems like a lot of your happiness from what you're saying comes from experiences. And yes. I think that's something that I kind of want to get into a little bit because right now, I, I guess I, you probably travel more than I do, but I feel like that's something I want to do down the line. Like visit London has always been like something I've been interested in. But can you elaborate more on like your experiences and why they mean so much to you? It's kind of, We've talked about it a little bit about how you write them in your poetry, you write them in your notes, but talk about a little bit more about that happiness that experiences bring you. I guess.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, I guess, a number of things. So that's that's, you know, how do you, how do you get into that one? So I mean, it's. I would say. A couple things. One is just seeing seeing or experiencing things that are n- new that kind of bring you to a point of learning i would mm. say that's a big part of it so mm. so you go somewhere you you go into a, a place you know you go into a chateau in france or something or you you walk into a you know a, a stadium you know in london you know you go watch chelsea or something and <laughs> this stuff is all like you know you've not seen it before you know you know you see you you might be exhilarated by like how, just how that pitch looks, It's like man. I mean that look at that's just yeah. bright. Green. I'm guessing you've been before. It's bright green. Well, I mean, I, the I, I, yeah, not not to as many probably soccer matches as you, but like you know football or you know any any you know, sporting event yeah. like that you might you know. And then if you get to walk down there, mm-hmm. or if you get to you know somebody rolls a ball out to you and you guys get to, you know, take a shot at one of the goals or something. And you think, man, I mean, this, this is something that, you know, I've, I've thought about a lot and uh, now I'm here experiencing it. Um, So, so yeah, new, new things, you know, immersing yourself, studying. I mean, I think my wife and I both like to do that. We both like to, you know, study other cultures, other times, um, learn about, Learn about them. It gives you good perspective on like what's going on today. Um, So, interesting.
0: Uh, Just it. It seems like your so success and happiness seem to be connected through experiences. Would you say that there's a direct connection, otherwise? Or how would how would you describe like your pursuit of happiness leading to success? Or is there a
2: relation at all? Yeah, I, I, in fact, I was trying to think about that because I saw you had that question on here, and they, they are, they may be so linked that they might, I don't know, they, it might be even hard to draw a distinction between them. Mm-hmm. Like they might, they might be the same. It might be fair to say that a person is happy. While experiencing and/or leading up to the, this accomplishment, or leading up to this success, I can think you, that's very happy. In failure, yeah. Good. Wow. Good question. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I do think so. I think so. I mean, some of these acute failures, in the very short term, I would say, you, you wouldn't. In everyday terms, describe yourself as happy. Mm-hmm. There, yeah. but but then again, so we'll go back to the scale thing. If you're overall, if you're you know if you're immersed in this big, great adventure that you consider a success, you're like, man, I've been wanting to get my kids to like Michigan for like ten years, and they're finally here. Mm-hmm. This is a success. I'm watching my kids, you know, walk for eight hours. You know, in Lake Michigan, mm-hmm. on limestone, in dead clear water, like this is a success. But then, yeah, they get pissed off and they take the rod and slam it down and start swearing and you know because they just <laughs> messed something up. Yeah, so there's yeah. an acute failure nested within.
0: Is that would you consider that a failure? Is that not just part of the experience? Is that not just what comes with the success? No,
2: it it is. So I guess that I guess we're kind of saying the same thing. So that. Scaled down little thing mm. in an assessment is you could say if we are saying something could be a failure, then mm. that would probably be a small failure, but again, part of a bigger campaign that or something that is a so it's success. all
1: relative kind of to, to your personal scale, yes, where you define failure, as, yeah, yeah, just like what you define success as, Interesting.
2: yeah. But you know, like, where, where was it? Well, one of those things, one of the prose pieces in the book, you know, says. So, again, to, to, to use fishing here a little bit, you know, it says, you know, sometimes the fish beat you. Mm-hmm. And, and this is not something that you say to each other to comfort each other. It's something you say because it's true. <laughs> and, it, and if it weren't that way, it, the whole affair would be greatly diminished. Mm-hmm. That's per, it's kind of like paraphrasing what it yeah. says in there. And that, that's true. Would you want to go fishing if you knew that every time you saw a fish you are going to catch it? Maybe, sounds kind of fun, but <laughs> really, probably, I mean, you then would you'd he, be he like... It yeah. would be a challenge. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, I guess moving a little bit to the next topic a little bit. So we kind of get into what some of the best advice you've ever gotten and some of the best advice you've ever given, I guess, like what advice you give to your kids and stuff, just in a broader sense. Can you share some of that with the listeners?
2: Yeah. Yeah, so there is, there. that's another thing that I, I took to be a really good, um, I took to be a really good topic. Where was that? Yeah. So we have a, so there, I, I wrote on a number of things for this too. So I already talked about the uh, world is not wallpaper. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's probably my favorite piece of advice that I would give to anybody, um, you know, you gotta look in. You gotta look. You gotta kind of get into get into the world, um, and you know, there's a funny link to actually what you might call like a practical application of that too, and that is that um, I've talked with people and or been part of you know a number of hiring processes, and um, you know. A lot of people have degrees now. A lot of people have both—you know—might have a graduate degree and a master's degree. Mm -hmm. And you know, I think, I think more and more, I think people are really going to value like some of these experiences or or things that people have done Mm -hmm. that might not even be like strictly academic. Or Mm -hmm. um, so, and I, I guess an example in in my line of work would be. Say we interviewed like 40 people and they all had master's degrees, but like four of the people had spent, you know, like their entire lives like walking, actually walking the yeah. streams, mm-hmm. and like getting that, you know, that intimate, you know, link to them and studying them, and and so that that that's gonna elevate them. So that that's a piece of advice. I tried to I thought of this more about advice that I give than a, than what I had received. We have a plaque at home for our kids. Doesn't always work, but it it says, it says four lines. It says like, be nice, be respectful, say thanks. I can't remember the fourth one. <laughs> but you know that that's. So I, wanna, I guess I'm gonna focus on the uh, you know the say the say thanks part. Like, one of my favorite, one of my grandma's favorite memories. She tells us all the time, is that. Uh, After every single meal, because we lived, we spent summers a lot of summers with my grandparents working on a ranch, and after every meal, I said thanks to her, and like every time I see her, she she tells this story to people. She says like, that kid, every time I made him a meal, he said thanks, Mm -hmm. and you know my 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 dad is like that too, and a lot of people in my family are like that, and I think, I think that goes that does go. A long way. Um, I guess I already said the learn, adapt, persist. That's that would be my advice to people, and it crosses more than more than just fishing, but just yeah, fail or succeed, learn, adapt, persist. And then there's there is actually a poem in that book called Adviso. So, and I mean you could read that, but um, it basically talks about just kind of doing going about your work, and then actually this one, this one I just wrote recently, so it's not in in any book yet, but this is the last piece of advice that I would say, um, and it is something that I've tried to talk to my kids about. It might be a little bit, a little deep for them right now, but, you know, this this idea of, um, they're all all different types of people out there. I'm, and, and, and I have things about me that I, I would think are worthy of carrying on and th- and things about me that are not. <clears throat> so you know a good duty for a person, I think, is to study all kinds of people, not and not <clears throat> try to be an academic, not try to be you know like uh, the complete outdoorsman, not try mm-hmm. to be the complete just the athlete, you know, that athlete guy, but rather, you know, study all these people, and you know, try to take the best from each, and you know, do your best to make yourself a, that composite. Mm-hmm. That's what I would say. It's not possible to do that fully, but you know, if that's your goal, because what you're doing then is you're 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 acknowledging the kind of the good facets of of everybody out there instead of. Nominating one and saying, you know, this is this is the person to be, and this person Mm -hmm. is not. You know, don't do have anything to do with that type of person. Because I mean, yeah. So I mean, that's. I don't know if I've ever actually given that advice to anybody other than I I imagine I said it to my Mm -hmm. kids the other like one time, but I think that's a good life duty. The other the other thing that I said is, and again I wrote this a while ago, but. And this isn't advice, but it's just something to think about. And I think it helps. You know, maybe just... So, understand that man belongs in nature, but is constrained to be civilized. Work to place yourself tolerably in between. So, that's what I have to do for myself. It's almost like advice to myself. And by the way, I wanted to mention that. There's a really good poem out there called How to Be a Poet. It's by a guy that I really like. But the parenthetical on that title is to remind myself so all these things i say about advice you know like my wife is going to listen to this or something i don't have not able to do all these things this is just like you know these would be like my ideal pieces of advice mm-hmm. so you know like for me i know you know where i kind of want to be and what i want to be doing but i'm constrained to be doing other things and those things can be good too but so anyway how do, I, how do I kind of put myself in between those things such that I don't kind of go mad mm-hmm. missing one or you know so all that balance
1: yeah those are very good devices I've like you made me start thinking about like especially taking different parts of the people you study kind of I think that's a really good idea because you don't want to be oh yeah you're that one jock like that's, that's your trait you're mm-hmm. a jock but you don't have that academic sense, you don't have that uh, personality sense, that relationship building sense, you have to take pieces of every part, yeah, you can be an athlete, but you've got to be good with people, but you also got to be, get good grades, mm-hmm. or you got just taking different parts, I think that's really important yeah. to yeah. broaden out your whole future, I think, yeah. especially with relationship building, which you kind of touched on earlier.
0: I would even add to that, that it's probably not just important, but I think, it's important because it's harder than to just choose one thing and do that. Right. Like it's easier just to fall into a, what would you call a stereo? What you would you call a stereotype? For yeah. example, it's harder to actually take the time to nitpick and choose what you think. I don't know. Would be like good and bad or useful and not useful out of right. s- specific stereotypes, and then actually try to like learn and grow in those areas. Because like naturally, people are all good and bad at certain things, and it's really easy to fall back into those things instead of actually
1: pushing yourself to grow.
0: Good advice is what we're Great advice,
1: yeah. Great advice. Uh, so we kind of get on to this closer where we ask you uh, like five, six questions that mm-hmm. kind of we ask everyone to see some of their opinions. I guess the first question is, if you could have a meal with one person, who would it be, ne- be with? Uh, a person can be alive now, and then we want someone who
2: has passed. Yep, yep. So it can be either, you're saying, right? Is so one, one for each, so one oh, person one that's the and one person throughout history. Yeah, yeah. Well, so yeah, the, I thought I, I thought about this too, and there would be quite a few, you know, would be great. but I thought I would say uh, Hemingway because um, well, a few different reasons, but one is uh, I feel like we have we have some common interests and i really like how he embraces um, civil discourse but then also pugilism so i like I, I like that of like you know like it's almost like he's skipping everything in between it's like i either want to have a good good talk with you or i want to box your ass and <laughs> you know, also like like the stuff in between is like so so yeah i thought uh, that's who i thought would be good, and plus I figured it would be an eventful meal, because you know, like, he'd probably he'd have some drinks, and we'd you know <laughs> be so yeah. start to talk, or somebody would you know <laughs> walk by and clip him or something <laughs> when he's sitting there, and so. And then you know my best meals of anybody who 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 is uh, living, you know I can think of some right now that were really really good, and that would be. That would definitely be my wife where we have, uh, you know, shared really good, you know, meaningful and, <clears throat> and memorable meals. So, But we get to do that so infrequently that that, I would, that would be my choice right now, too, oh, nice. for sure. She'll yeah. love to hear that. Yeah, and I can think that. of a lot of places where we, we would like to do that, you know. So. That's
1: awesome. Um, Next question. Biggest role models. This is a big one, kind of.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I thought of that too and it and I, I thought and thought uh about this and in somewhat in line with this idea of this composite person, I, I don't really have, you know, a there's no like famous person or anything. I mean this is a little funny one that I thought of uh, that that's a sign of the times and tells you that I'm a little bit older than you guys but this is a really funny lighthearted one one of the guys I really like is Akim Elijahwan and the reason why I liked him is because he would kill the Greek freak in a one-on-one match because <laughs> Akim had like all these moves he he he, he could dri- it was he a soccer goalie too I think wasn't he pretty know, sure he was I don't know. But he, be a good he, he could, you know, he, he, he could like, you know, he had baseline moves, he had spin moves, mm-hmm. he had fadeaway jump shots, he could shoot threes. He didn't just like put his head down and like grind his way <laughs> to the basket, you yeah. Know, but, so he's not a role model. But I, as I was sitting here thinking through, like, what guys as a kid did I, did I like a lot? Who were they? I thought, oh, Akeem, I liked him a lot, you know, or liked him, but you know, the, the people that are that are so role model, you know, in the phrase is model or modeling so who what people do do I model myself after and I, I did have a good answer for that and it, it is my family members I think I could say that unequivocally so it's my, it's my parents and my grandparents and my siblings my siblings do a lot of things really well a lot of really good things about them uh, that I try to try to model and and my wife too she's she's a lot better than me about uh, a lot of things <laughs> Um, so yeah, not, not one person there, you know, there are some writers that I've actually given some presentations on like, you know, different writers and stuff. And I I probably won't, I won't list them, list them out, but I will say, I will go back to Greg Brown. Funny, you know, you guys should really look him up. Uh, he's, uh, he has the, he has, he, his lyrics are, are essentially poems. He's a great guitar player and he has great vocals. So yeah, not a role model, but I was just trying to think about, like, okay, what people do I come into my mind when I think about, like, modeling or, uh, you know, modeling myself after, so. Nice. Those
1: are pretty good answers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Last
0: question is usually biggest accomplishments, failures, and regrets. Or biggest, so singular for all three. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. So what, what order we got here? Because Up to um, you. yeah, so uh, regret is I I do have a I do have a, an explicit one for that, and it is that uh, I I know really clearly and really well that too much of my like childhood and teenage years were uh, ruled by fear. Not like I wasn't like cowering in the corner, but just you know things like you know you think back like when you were in school and like all the like things that you could have done or something, mm-hmm. and then you just like you know I didn't do that, I didn't perform to my best, I didn't you know to the point here I didn't succeed to the to the greatest possible level, or I didn't do this with this person, and this because I was afraid, mm-hmm. and not sure why it's probably just kind of inherent or just like part of genetics or something. But, mm-hmm. and you know, now you, you see that in kids sometimes and now as an adult, you're like, man, I wish, you know, wish you could just tell these guys like, man, don't, don't be afraid of that stuff. And I think it varies. Cause I mean, I remember, I remember kids who shit, they weren't afraid of anything. Mm-hmm. They tried everything. Oh. They walk up to anybody, say anything. Yeah. they'd shoot all night long if they missed if they went over 30 they'd go over 35 or you know mm-hmm. they'd they'd bomb down the ski hill because they weren't afraid of anything <laughs> you know but so that that is I would say if I had to think like that would be my my number one regret
0: would that turn into advice
2: yeah oh yeah yeah I mean I I and I try to talk about that with you know, with my kids and I I think some of it helps I think but mm-hmm. I because I, but I don't know I mean some of it is just is just really hard to get to get past because it's mm-hmm. just kind of burned into you probably but yeah that would turn into advice and it's you know don't yeah don't 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 let fear kind of keep you from keep you from doing what you need to do um Failures and mistakes. Uh, yeah, my number one failure, I think, is pretty clear too, and it's it's ongoing, and it is that you know I just kind of the way the, the way the world is today and the way not bad. I'm not saying it's bad. It's mm-hmm. just I have not been able to kind of come to grips with just this is probably a generational thing that probably you know my parents probably said too, but I have not been able to successfully come to grips with kind of how what I see you know out there in terms of how how it is now for kids versus how I think it would be ideally, but that's just you know it's. It's hard for me to even talk about it because it makes it sound like I'm I'm being critical of it. And I don't mean to be critical of yeah. it. I just mean to say, like, I am failing just in my own self to, like, just deal with that well. Mm-hmm. So what happens then is it, it builds up in me and then I get frustrated or I get pissed off and then I, like, you know, say something or do something that I shouldn't do. When the reality is what I should be doing is acknowledging that, you know, the, the world doesn't wait on people, doesn't wait on me. No. That's, that's you know, why would I think, you know, that, that, that just doesn't happen. That's There's a good quote out there that, you know, and, and I almost just said it, but, you know, the world's not waiting on you, that's vanity. Mm-hmm. And it is, that is a vanity. So I'd like to get rid of that. I'd like to be able to kind of come to grips and kind of be at peace with that and it's not it's not that big it's not the end of the world mm. not like it like drives me down to the ground every day but it's a difficult thing and that's so far I'm failing at, at that um but then the, the one accomplishment you know in light of all these failures you know being able to at least keep my relationships with my family pretty intact where you know I don't know you could go ask them but I think I think <laughs> they you know they like me and <laughs> and i and I, I really love them um but then i would say specifically one of the things that i feel is a, a really important accomplishment is i think been successful in you know getting my kids a lot of good experiences where it's been a, 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 about them experiencing things and they've they've got to They've logged some pretty pretty good memories. I would like to think. Mm-hmm. So they're in they're going into these teenage years now, and they're going to kind of go into the phase where you guys are through college and stuff. And they may be preoccupied with other things. No, I shouldn't say preoccupied. I should say just occupied mm-hmm. with other things in a good way. They got right. other stuff to do. They they have to work through these teenage years, and uh, but they have that stuff in them. And they can always, you know, they may, you know, come back to it, or it may, it may kind of color their their lives or how they think about stuff in a in a good way. So that's my. I would say that that's my probably one of my most important accomplishments. Yeah. Really good.
1: I thought those are a lot of good. I think what you're saying with failures on how kind of you have to. I think the biggest thing like you were saying earlier one of your biggest goals is to adapt to things like the changing society changing world it's really important we've talk about we talked about it before how yeah you can't wait for the like the world's not going to wait for you it's going to mm-hmm. keep moving um, and your ability to adapt as best you can is what's going to lead you down the path of like you're going to be happier a little bit than while uh, struggling to cope with it I guess mm-hmm. are
2: you good on time? yeah okay
1: um, I'm going to actually counter
0: this. <laughs> oh, God! Oh, I counter the, failure. the failure. Not, like, strongly, okay. but just more for argument's sake. Do you think, so I guess I could have misinterpreted it kind of, but I, do you think, are you saying, like, being able to adapt more to, like, the status quo type thing or what? Because I think something we've talked about, too, on here is, like, being able to adapt to situations that you put yourself in. But also being able to step away and say this is just not my thing. Like, I'm okay still doing my own thing. Does that make sense? Does that question
2: makes sense. Yeah. So is that in that's in reference to what you're saying? I described as my failure. Because mm-hmm, yeah. the way you yeah.
0: described it to me doesn't seem like, or I I wouldn't think of that as a failure. And like, so to give a little bit more context, like something that we talk about a lot nowadays. Like this whole modern day, you know, like Twitter, Instagram, like all just about these like fast dopamine type things, and like yeah.
1: you're able to just step away. Feels like you have to like, like choose just like one. Step out you have like to like choose thing. one side when you just yeah. want everyone. Like mm-hmm. I don't know. At least in my opinion, just want everyone to be one mm-hmm. basically. But it's like being able to resist. That now, now problems. the media is like, you gotta choose one side. You gotta choose one side. It's like mm-hmm. that's not how we're gonna get better as a society. But now I see what you're saying. By yeah, you get sucked into that a little bit, and you don't know like this isn't really how you view it. But maybe you can take that step back and be like, we can let all that happen, but that doesn't involve mm-hmm. where I am right now with my family, my kids. We're all doing well, so that doesn't really involve me, I guess. Mm-hmm. That's a that's yeah. a deep. We went deep there. Yeah. But, yeah.
2: Well, yeah. Those those are good good notes and i i would say maybe i should say it this way i i mean what i what i lament is that i it feels like i see in a way kind of like the real world in a way kind of dying because I mean, some sometimes people would say, "Well, it's like this with every generation, you know." You know, the mm-hmm. parents say the kids are wasting. It. But on the other hand, we, you know, even if we we weren't using our time working all the time, or, but we were at least like kind of like messing around, like you know, get getting in a little trouble, you know, going on like stealing apples from the, the orchard or like you know, r- riding around on our bikes and stuff, like things kind of in the real world. We weren't in fake world Mm -hmm. so and I don't mean that in a in like in an insulting way I have a phone in my pocket Mm -hmm. I mean I I have a phone so so what I'm saying is just that makes me that makes me kind of sad but I can't let that you know drag down my relationships with everybody exactly so I guess where I'm saying my point of failure is that I'm not to a point yet where I've done a, a good job of, like, come, coming to grips with that and just mm-hmm. saying, like, okay, this this is our context now, and it, it's within that that I have to craft these relationships. I can't keep riding, you know, my kids all the time about, you know...
1: Being on their phones yeah, and stuff like I that. I mean,
2: in a way, so then there's the challenge. So this isn't necessarily... Uh, so that's what I describe as my, my personal failure, but then I want offshoot that and say what an unbelievable challenge you want to know a challenge it's when your kid's little i mean little like a one-year-old kid Mm -hmm. the primal needs the kid expresses the primal needs you are the caregiver you address those needs your kid loves you your -hmm. kid curls into you you give the kid food Mm -hmm. but now i mean the challenge you're a parent think of one extreme complete You ignore your kid, kid does whatever the heck he wants, Mm -hmm. you know, and then you would say, well, on that extreme, you're failing because you're not, you're not executing your parental duty to help your kid. Because, I mean, like it or not, not every kid, but some kids will go too far with stuff because they're kids. Mm -hmm. They don't have controls in their head for like, hey, man, I've been, I've been doing this for like 10 hours. I better stop. Yeah, yeah. So so there's your parental duty. But on the other hand, if you're a complete hard-ass about it, you, you're going to wreck your relationship with the kid. True. Yeah. So where where, where do you Where's come down way? in that? Oh. Mm-hmm. So that's, I mean, to me, that's a monumental challenge. So, again, let's route it back to the failure. I'm, I'm so far kind of failing. I think I might be getting a little better about it, but, I mean, so far that's been just really, really hard. Mm-hmm.
1: I think I I honestly really enjoyed this conversation. Yeah, this uh, I thought it was pretty good. Um, thank you again, Justin, for being on. But before we leave, I wanted to give you the chance to point the listeners to anything, some of your books you've been referencing today, or any websites or stuff that you might have that they'd be interested in.
2: Sure, yeah. Well, I would just do, you know, say uh, just one reference, and that is, you know, the The guy who helped me publish that book, the book is called The Mark of Permanence. It's published by Shipwreck Books. The Guy lives in Rushford, Minnesota, so he's a he's a local publishing house. He's in our region. He's you know good dude, just salted down with with knowledge and, and and a lot of good you know a lot of good literary history and experience there with him. So I mean, if you buy that book, um, it benefits. That publishing house, and I think that that's a good thing. So, and yeah, I mean, check it out. I mean, I, I put a lot into it, and I think um, I think readers would find value in it. So, that's what I would do. The other book, twenty fourteen book, out of print, never be printed again. It's probably <laughs> worth like a million bucks if you get a copy.
1: Awesome, that's awesome. Uh, well, thanks again, Justin, for having us or being on the podcast. I should say, um, really appreciate it. And for all the listeners, um, feel free to give us some feedback on this podcast and let us know what you thought. And thanks again for listening.
2: Yeah. I would thank you guys. Um, good questions and good, uh, good discussion. And I think again, I would say, you know, the people you interview are really going to benefit from this too because it's a lot of good introspection. So appreciate that.
0: Uh-huh. All right, you know, thanks again. I'll uh, see you guys there,